everyone, I want you to meet Iris. And she's going to introduce herself with her own words because I don't get to choose who she wants to be. And <laughs> thank you for being on Eyes Closed Aren't Open or Echo. I mean, this podcast is shape-shifting as much as I am. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I'm Iris, or I might even be Eris in a way. <laughs> I think that might be one of my names. Um, I'm also a shapeshifter and multidimensional. I think I have at least seven names, so whatever you want to call me is fine. Um, my mission in the world is to help people understand their power and to activate their power and to run forward with it and to not be afraid of it. Um, because I feel like a lot of people have been taught that to um, accept your power is bad. And uh, that is what's kept the evil going in the world because they're not afraid of knowing their power. So if all of us uh, light workers or mm, I don't even know what we can call ourselves, if, um, if all of us knew our power and accepted it and owned it and became accountable for it, then the world would be a different place. So my mission is to help people know who they are and their power and to be comfortable with, with exactly every part of themselves. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay. That's why we, that's why we hang out. <laughs> that's why we like one another because this is, this is also what I'm fighting for and still finding ways to embody that within myself. But let's talk dragons for a minute. I feel like they just want to join and be there, like our own dragon selves too. Um, so we met because we, we were talking on Twitter and we decided to exchange our services. And when you saw my own arc field and my own selves, because you see the galactic and I see the genetic in a way, so we kind of <laughs> mirror one another. You saw my dragon self, which is something that people don't usually see. So I was very impressed that you were like, oh, you're a black dragon. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> so what about you and your dragons? How do you feel about the archetype of a dragon and the power it means? And just like, yeah, tell me your dragon story. Oh, I definitely feel like I was a born dragon. Um, my dragon is also a shapeshifter its color changes. Um, its primary color is uh, orange, but like an iridescent orange, and it fans all around itself. Um, dragons have always been, I feel like, my protection. Because um, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. I always felt like I was kind of like the princess in the tower, except I wasn't the princess and I didn't need rescuing. I just lived in the tower because it was nice there. <laughs> But, um, you know, my, I come from Medusa lineage, uh, which um, it might be a concept that people don't really understand, but basically, you know, the women in my family are very strong and they're very ruthless <laughs> and they've survived a lot, um, which is why I have Medusa tattooed on me because they are definitely dragon women. So, um, 
and my dragon has always been there, but I didn't really know what it looked like. I could just feel it before. It almost felt like I had its egg. And, and since doing, you know, our work together, it's fully blossomed and come out. And I feel like I can feel it always around me at, at this point now. <laughs> like even just speaking about it, I feel like its wings are caressing me. I always thought that I was just a snake woman. So now to find out that, you know, my dragon is here and holding me and caressing me, oh, my neck is getting hot just talking about it. <laughs> I love my dragon. <laughs> I love my reptiles. I've always been a reptile person. So snakes, tarantulas, I guess it's not a reptile, but, you know, the creepy crawlers. Is more of those. <laughs> Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, we're just chatting, right? Um, <laughs> I love, I love what you said, and it reminded me of something. So we're both working with David and with Jenny as part of the centaurs, and we've been uncovering some centaurs who want to join the party and be included and kind of have their story told in another way or see the evolution of their own archetype. So there is a work there that happens where. They don't have to be stuck into a photograph of what happened 5,000 years ago when the Greeks decided that this myth happens and that, that and that. So we've been working with Nessus and we've been working with Eris and, and they asked both of us to do healing on them, which is very interesting because we usually think of, you know, people coming to us and healing us, right? Um, which is so cool. And then we talked about Daenerys like super recently about the fact that season eight was difficult game of thrones season eight was difficult to watch to see a woman who was finally in power and empowered to act on the verge of you know something that is madness right and she was the dragon lady so i think she helped a lot of our psyches to understand that we were dragon ladies and i just understood that her name is diane eris eris and i was like yeah the best woman <laughs> that's cool i just love denarius and i feel like she's a conflicting person to talk about because you know um george R. R. martin came out and said that his version of her is different you know, so it's almost like she has two timelines, which is why I mourned, you know, the HBO timeline where they created her into this mad woman, because I feel like her soul essentially was not that. And um, I almost view her the same way as I view Medusa in a lot of ways, because I also view Medusa as the vexed woman who was destroyed by a patriarchal thought process of her um, because you know her stories are conflicting either she was the seducer or she was the raped but but either version of it she still got turned into medusa and the gorgon and i just i felt like i don't know it just it feels so almost wrong to accept her as being a punished woman and a bad woman because i feel like uh, people don't understand the complexity of her trauma and uh, her emotional nature. And so they just have dismissed her, much like Daenerys, as being crazy. I mean, because really, Daenerys, if you think about it, in a lot of ways, I feel like she, she probably 
you know, wanted to have revenge of some sort. And it wasn't um, unnatural for her to have a revenge because of all the trauma, you know, that she went through trying to be the good person. And so just, just to be completely um, destroyed, I could, I didn't even watch the season finale, if I'm honest with you. I couldn't watch the last episode because I could not watch her die. Like, I like feel like I'm going to cry just thinking about it. <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to watch her come to an end like that. But I could, all, I could bring myself to find compassion for the anger that she had in this story, you know? So I just, I just feel like women and their anger is a very complicated subject for people to talk about because... I feel like people really want women to be loving and nurturing, but if you've ever seen a mama bear whose cubs are in danger, you've seen the divine feminine in protection mode. And a lot of, you know, ancient religions um, show the divine feminine as almost wrathful, you know, and they love them that way you know like the hindus and the buddhists the ancient buddhists they they knew and loved these women as for who they were i love that and when you were speaking i was thinking of the fact that you know the end of daenerys has not been written like the books the sixth book has not been published the seventh has not been published so it's almost like they created another timeline and they dissociated the consciousness because everything is conscious. So even a, a fictional character is a consciousness and they just split that. And now there's two of them, which means less union as well. And then I was like, I was trying to defend that idea when you were talking and I was like, no, 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 but come back to it and then try to make it easy to be understood and i was like that's what they require of us they require of women to make like to make sense to them to be easily understood and it's it's not gonna happen uh it's it's something that we have as a mindset as a force and constriction around us but i don't think it can uh like i i know that i can't do this any longer like i'm too tired i'm too tired to try to make sense and 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 I'm just going to protect myself whichever way and I, I used to just be silent when you hurt me and, and and disappear from your life because i would never show you my anger because i knew it would hurt you and i would never want to hurt someone which meant that i was hurting myself by protecting and removing myself from the situation and it's um in the past few years and until very recently that i learned that um, it's not about logic of the arguments of the things that I would bring up and then people would bring up the back arguments because logic, whichever argument you create, can be counter-argumentated because it's the mental layer. So it, there is no truth. There is multiple truths. So you will never be right or wrong. Whereas if you go down into the heart, mm -hmm. it's a fact that you're hurt or it's a fact that you are angry. It's just a fact. It's the truth. You cannot fight against it and you cannot control it too. So for example, last like a, okay, last weekend something happened. I was hurt. I was really hurt. And I was like, you know what? I'm not angry with you. I'm just broken hearted. So I don't want to see you. <laughs> I don't want to make efforts to see you because you fucking hurt me. That's it. But I'm not angry. Yeah. That's the one thing with the Western world is they had a tendency to cut off the heart mind 
you know, and just be logic mind, you know, left brain. So we have to go down again and again, again and again. It's about harmonizing the two, you know, and I just, I, I find, I find this really timely because even this morning I was thinking a lot about some conflicts that I'm going through myself. And I've been thinking a lot about how, um, in some ways I don't like confrontation. I don't like to talk about things that are bothering me because when someone retorts with what's bothering them, it's, it's almost like a deflection, if you will. And so when two people are trying to have a conversation about what's happening to them, it can almost counteract because, you know, it almost feels like one piece, one person has to have their piece and, you know, let that person digest. And then they have to come back almost and hear the other side. Because when two people are fighting their sides, they're both going to be defensive or hurt unless they've come into themselves and said, okay, I take this with, you know, a grain of salt and I have to let this person speak. Oh, and my ear is ringing, yeah. uh, just like dropped. <laughs> So it, it, it's, it can be so hard to almost have a conversation about things that hurt because both sides experience their own pain for something, you know? When one person is hurt, another person is hurt at the same time. I find that, you know, these two things don't happen by themselves, you know? So one person usually has their own experience and the other person has theirs and then it's like hard. It's hard to communicate about it other than just saying, I'm hurt. I need some time. Please let me be, you know? Yeah, it's so, having that compassion rather than feeling the need to be justified or, you know what I mean? Right in the moment. I love that. And beyond that, I don't know about if you both feel like that, but one of my wounds is to feel ashamed about being in a conflict with anyone. Like I feel a very deep shame that things are not being harmonious and things are not being balanced. So it must mean I'm a bad person or I create unnecessary drama, which I never want to do, right? So even those ideas of saying like you just mentioned, Iris, like, oh, in the conflicts I'm having, I've never heard anyone be okay with saying that out loud. I mean, like, yeah, I'm openly fighting with people right now. Like, like this is natural, it's part of life and we have to rehabilitate that. Yeah, well, I'm an Aries moon, so I feel like a part of myself thrives on conflict, but <laughs> that's like the unhealthy Aries moon, you know? I mean, I don't, I of course want nothing to do with conflict in some ways, but the truth is, is that I'm at odds with people right now. And um, some of the decisions that I've made in my life have really made people mad. And I've spent so much time trying to bring joy to people outside of myself that I've completely negated some of these things that I've wanted for myself. And I've completely negated some of my dreams. And at this point, I, I can't, you know, I'm not getting any younger, which sounds typical, but I, it, the more that I shove myself backwards, the, the less I'm going to do in the future, in my opinion. So I just have to accept that right now, they're not going to be happy with me. And I can't take that personally. Um, <laughs> and I have to be okay with being at odds because that's how they want it. And well, I'm sure that's not how they want it but that's how they're responding. And um, eventually at some point, 
I think that you have to come to be at odds with someone in order to transform the energy. You know, if, if two people are hurt by something, then eventually um, something has to shift because, you know, growth sometimes doesn't happen as seamlessly through joy between two people. You know, sometimes you have to get hurt in order to understand a new direction or a new like it's a spot cyclical to grow. thing really mm -hmm. yeah. i yeah, i love that and it's you know like energy is just texture so conflict and peace peace they're just textures right so we need all of them they're not good or bad conflict is like a way to as you said resolve a lot of things so stop putting stigmas on things that happen naturally and we have no control interesting what i was saying is um people or society try it polarizes the two things of conflict and peace or harmony um because they want they don't want people comfortable and having the life skills to heal these traumas you know because there's a big business on keeping the trauma going mm -hmm. bye you know, by not having conflict, I feel like that represses trauma, you know, because people, people so desperately want to keep the peace that they don't want to open the lid on the trauma that they've experienced, which is something that I realize I've done for many years. And now at my quarter of a century, I'm done. I can't hold on to these anymore. They're not mine. And I refuse to keep them forever, you know. And um, that means that people are going to be unhappy and people are going to have to hear someone out, you know, eventually I'm going to have to hear the other side because yeah, yeah. <laughs> eventually someone's going to come around and be like, Hey, I feel this way, you know, and I, I'm preparing myself for that because I don't want to, you know, go into a conflict with someone and say, yeah, here's all my trauma. I'm going to dump this on you. I'm going to octopus all my trauma on you. So yeah. that's why what you're saying is negated. Um, <laughs> but I want to be able to be open enough to listen to how someone feels about how potentially I've treated them because when we have trauma, we create trauma responses. And part of my trauma response is to, uh, almost act like nothing has happened or to not allow myself to be angry, you know? And so that's created like a whole persona of who I am to someone else. And so now we have to almost heal all of the trauma responses and the trauma bonds and all of those things um, through a conflict, which is ultimately, you know, what's happening. Stirring the pot brings it to the surface, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's almost as if, you know, trauma creates an identity that we now have to strip and say, yeah, that person that you loved was traumatized. And that person is not me, you know, uh, and I don't accept that person anymore. I accept I am accountable for the ways that I've put that person out there, but that's not actually who I am and that's not who I want to be in the future. So if you love me, you're going to meet me here now, you know. One of the things I had to learn this year, uh, starting last, last eclipse season in the summer, so a year ago, was that you could have conflict and resolution. That conflict didn't mean it's the end of the friendship or it's yeah. the end. Like you could actually resolve things. That was really scary to learn and to experience being like, I'm sorry, you friend who is an asshole. 
uh, I'm gonna tell you how I feel and then we can still kind of be friends later on like which it was so scary because I had to pump myself up and be like it's not the end it's not the end it's not the end you know after the phone calls like I'm okay I'm okay yeah I'm okay like I didn't destroy the relationship I just told my piece I don't need to make amend and beg back for the friendship like I just said what I feel and like I had to make it physical and like create the neurons where I'm, I'm like addressing your problems and maybe creating a conflict does not mean you're a bad person which was what was told to me repeatedly so I was like well, a lot of us healers tend to um, trigger transformation in general, which a lot of times there's some unfortunate things that have to happen in order mm -hmm. for us to evolve, you know. We are catalysts and I see a lot of people about this and I also like, I'm tired of being a catalyst for others. Yeah. So oh, <laughs> I've heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely have said that before. I'm tired of being a catalyst. I just want to be me, you know? <laughs> I actually, one time, um, I wrote this, uh, I wrote this poem called Earth Angel uh, because I believe uh, that, you know, the healers on this planet are earth angels, more or less. And they come into this planet and they come into people's lives at a pivotal moment, okay? And they um, they create change. They create a new uh, a new point. But typically, these people that they change their lives for go away. You know, they're they're there for that one activation that happens, and then they're gone. You know. And so I one time wrote this poem called Earth Angel about how I was just tired of being that. Like I just wanted someone to stay around or I wanted people to stay around because um, it can just get so exhausting to have to always help someone at their time and then not be loved almost in the end, you know, or to not feel like you got something out of it. It's, it's almost as if you know, you have to detach yourself from the idea of what you want from them too, because you can almost know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, when that person comes into your life, that you're only going to be there for a blip. And so you almost have to find like a way to make peace with the fact that your part of yourself in this relationship is just there now and won't be there in six months, you know? But it can be very difficult because even if we are quote unquote earth angels, we still have emotions. We're in human bodies, you know, mm -hmm. we have human emotions and we have human desires and we have human wants. And so sometimes that means I want to be around and I want to love this person, but the universe has ultimately other plans. And it's like, you have to find a divine surrender to the fact that you can only be there for this part and just be present for the day that you have with this person. I feel that way in relationships. I feel that way in my family. I feel like I, I see myself. I, I know what my energy has done to others and it's helped them. Yeah, it's cool, but it means that I'm also exhausted. So I'm tired. I'm, I'm writing the next retreat. So it's all about the causal chakra and it's about the soul contracts, the incarnations and all those things. So I've done work on myself and I've seen that I signed a lot of contracts about being a catalyst for others. I just cried and I was like, I am done 
having my life being a sacrifice for others right. without my choice. Like I will choose when I see a person to help them. I will not be directly entangled and then because I'm tired, I'm just exhausted. We should introduce RJ also. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? What are you doing behind the screen? <laughs> Well, I've been getting room kind of set up in the background and I'm here. Um, We're like each other's personal assistants in some way. <laughs> Who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm, lately I've been focusing on harmonizing earth energy um, in people's lives, in their homes, on their properties. Um, I'm also a holistic health coach, so I get people's bodies dialed in as well and heal emotional trauma. Um, that's it in a nutshell. Yes. Thank you for being here. We need, we need your energy on the podcast. We need to see men. <laughs> yeah. I would consider him my divine partner, <laughs> my divine counterpart. <laughs> so everyone listening please watch the video so you can witness this energy <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it's like it's like having a personal assistant and a best friend and a life partner all in one it's really interesting <laughs> yeah we really elevate each other it's it's amazing oh and you want to talk about conflict resolution Sometimes we have to go through some very interesting conflicts. <laughs> well, our moon placements are in conjunct, so. Mm -hmm. He has a Virgo moon, I have an Aries moon, and they are completely opposite. And if you're, you know, astrology related, um, you know that an in conjunction is basically a crisis point in, um, in astrology. And it's a point that requires complete surrender. Um, and for both of us, Uh, if we look about, if we look at it from an astrological and philosophical level, um, you know, the moon is basically indicative of like the childhood that we went through. So it's almost as if we have to surrender both of our childhoods to meet each other where we're at, which is actually something that we do. Like once we realized it, we like, we're like, oh, that's it. Because both of us have to really like look at our childhood and where we came from and how our parents treated us and almost like revolutionize how we're going to parent each other in our relationship because it feels like a lot of what we do is like um inner parenting work um with each other because you know uh, taking care of the self is being a parent yeah it's nurturing yeah. and so when you take care of another person you have to either decide to be like your parent or to be your own parent. And so both of us really have to be our own parents rather than to continue the traumatic signature that our parents put on us, more or less. Yeah. Not that we had terrible childhoods. Oh, yeah. No, we had. By any means, <laughs> you know, we were Pretty well taken children. care of. Yeah. And, but there's just needs that every single human has um, yeah. as far as emotional nurturing and allowing um the child to express the self you know mm -hmm. in ways that may not be <laughs> <laughs> safe or accepted yeah. by yeah know. 
it's like you know a lot of i feel like a lot of what we do is like make ourselves uncomfortable because we have to like (laughs) be really honest that's the one thing i feel like i've learned a lot about being in relationship not just with a person that you have intimacy you know like sexual intimacy with but anyone you have to be willing to be extremely honest about who you are and to also apologize sometimes about who you are because sometimes you're shitty like it just happens you know (laughs) sometimes you just feel like you have a bad day and you put that out there to people and you're like ooh, sorry didn't mean to do that like can we take it back how can we fix this now like what can i do you know that's why I i tend to introvert when i go into those you know moods or if i'm triggered or whatever in my aries moon is like I go out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going for a walk. Yeah. You got taking the dogs. <laughs> and really that's that's the best thing for me to do is is to go for a walk and do that's stuff like that. But I'm I'm inclined to do the opposite and you know, climb into the earth. <laughs> that Virgo. You know, the Virgo nature. Just go back to it's safe. Safe in the earth. <laughs> I'm a seed. I'm going to go hang out with the gnomes for a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to find my bunker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a top, we have a penthouse bunker. So. Yeah. <laughs> with the little gnome house and everything. So yeah. <laughs> these are all real life examples. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I have a Virgo rising, so I don't know if that's the connection, but I love being like under a blanket. Or like putting something on top of the airline. It makes me feel safe. I love being in a cave, you know, like creating a cave-like experience. But yeah, yeah just like a hand here, I'm like, safe. I am calm. I'm good. Mm. I love that. That's, that's super cool because like he feels the same way. Right? And I'm sorry, I'm speaking for you. But um, he really likes when I put my hand on his head and like, you know, play with his hair. So I used to fall asleep when I get haircuts <laughs> as a young child. You know, I'd like start dozing off and just like they have to hold my head up, you know. I, I wonder if we can trace that back somewhere in the chart because I thought it was like an Aries thing, actually. Um, because you know, Aries rules the head and um uh um now that you say that, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I just know that our connection is the Virgo thing. I don't know the rest, but mm-hmm. I, when I was a kid, I would go inside of the bed sheets, between the blanket and the sheet, and I would just go there and feel like I'm in the womb, and I'm like, mm-hmm. So maybe wow. the womb idea, like we, we think of the head, but it's just the idea of being covered in the womb, kind of. It's very interesting you say that because um, in esoteric astrology, Virgo is about the womb and about gestating in the womb. So in esoteric astrology, it's really about giving birth to nurturance um, through divine love. And so then, you know, the moon would be the ruler of esoteric uh, Virgo, which makes total sense now that you say that. It's like, I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, well, download, you know? 
um, because yeah, Virgo, it, technically in esoteric astrology, a Virgo moon would be the moon in exaltation, more or less. But given that you're a Virgo rising, you know, your moon placement's going to tell you a lot about what makes you feel like you're in the womb and how you can nurture. So thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a Sagittarius, so when I'm in my bed studying something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Ah, oh, Sag moon. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Um, so I picked a card because I wanted to talk about archetype and that's what we started, right? We started already talking about it without presenting, which is the best way of doing things, I think. <laughs> so I picked a card called The Storm from the Archetypes by Kim Kratz. And I wanted to read the text and then let you pick a card maybe or whatever you want to do but I just wanted to read that text because it felt very Daenerys like as well and Eris because we're talking about Eris so we have the storm the chaos the whirlwind the disorder possessing an energy much like the tarot's tower card the storm and those all that is everything that was solid known and relied upon is stripped away by the winds of fate the ground becomes the sky and the sky becomes the center and then the center disappears. The storm is a great equalizer. No matter how far we've come on the path, no matter our age, wealth or wisdom, we can't hide from its savage winds. Their disturbing holes stir anxiety and make it impossible to see and think straight. You must wade it out. If you try to fight the storm, you will lose. A better option is to seek temporary shelter and a reliable friend. When all else fails, go within. There, for a moment, you settle into the eye of the storm. How do you feel about that? <laughs> for this and what for... What talking about, yeah. yeah. you know, I mean, you and I, really, because I feel like you're one of my shelters. <laughs> <laughs> one of my divine shelters, you know, I haven't had... Um, I, I just feel like, uh, as an archetype, <laughs> you are definitely one of the most thrilling friends I have ever had in my life. And um, I love you to pieces. <laughs> and I feel like it makes a lot of sense for what we do because um, we get uncomfortable with each other, you know? For me, um, I've had a lot of trauma around sharing my, my wisdom, and my power and my strength with other women and um for the first time in my life i feel safe to share with you and um it's like developing a relationship with you is helping me develop a relationship outwards you know and and put myself out there so um I feel like it just it it just makes so much sense with everything because we work with the quote unquote wounded feminine and I feel like it's part of our mission to you know help others work through these wounds and work through the discomfort of being powerful and being unique and being an individual in being a seen. world yeah being seen um, because I feel uh, just, you know, we push each other outside of our box, and that's really important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, if you think about the storm and what it does to nature, mm -hmm. the high winds and the heavy rain, it mm -hmm. prunes all the 
most of the dead wood off of the trees and you know washes the seeds off the the dead flowers so they can be planted again you know once spring rolls around it's you know these crazy times in our lives are necessary to strip away what is no longer useful yeah i love that so first thank you so much for saying all this like i do feel the same and what i thought about is that we need to be witnessed we need to be seen and heard as us being us and then it makes the ripples and we need to get used to being witnessed so that it's safe and that frequency of being ourselves becomes safe so that now by being used to speaking for example with me or with anyone else or you know with RJ being yourself and being seen and heard will make it feel exciting and comfortable and then you will be able to be like this with everyone and i do feel the same i'm not that vulnerable with everyone i'm usually the one taking care of the vulnerable ones and it feels wonderful that i get to tell you things and you're never i mean i don't like in our world we don't judge right in other worlds people i would feel their judgments but you never judge you just listen and then you help me by telling me of your experiences or you pick a card for me so thank you so much for being there It's about holding that safe space because I've like, I grew up with parents that were really, you know, left brain and logical minded and um, had a hard time talking about emotions. And when it was, and we did talk about emotions, it wasn't really a safe space. So I had to really um, fly under the radar, you know, most of my childhood and just, um, I don't know, be a ghost, have a mask, you know, and it's been really um, challenging, but amazing, you know, having Alexis and having um, my good friend, uh, Marcelo, to be able to go to and they hold a safe space and um, I can take off the mask, you know, the yeah. different layers, um, which has been great because it's been unraveling, you know, my true self, the higher self that has a, you know, a divine mission. She's your storm <laughs> taking over. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely am, but he's also mine, <laughs> you know? And I, I think it's important to be storms for people also, because it's only when you're vulnerable in your, uh, in your stormy nature that people can really see who you are in there because I think a lot of us are walking around with the archetype of the wounded child and a lot of us are looking at life through a lens of pain and um, when we're able to show ourselves to someone who is safe and sacred um, and and have them there to hold us in that space and say this isn't you this is you know a culmination of things and we'll get in there and we'll work with you in there you know that really helps people realize that there's nothing to be afraid of in the storm there's nothing to be afraid of in the rain or the thunder um, because really once we take in that power we know that those parts of ourselves are who we are then we can feel comfortable in transforming it and moving it into something else and using it you know for our highest and best I like that and you know there's we're multi-dimensional so of course we're like from this planet and then this and that but 
There's the higher self, then there's the ego self, the emotional self, the inner child. And I think that by being storms to others, we're challenging them to be back into the highest self version of themselves. Yeah. So um, I'm really into the idea and I'm trying to put it into practice where I'm like, challenging people to be like, why, why did you choose to go back into that frequency? Because that low frequency is so comfortable. We're so used to being dishonest and 3D and blah, blah, blah. So no, just like, no, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you to rise again to the, to the real frequency where we understand one another, where we're not separated, where we're in union, where you don't, you know, go into those frequencies. So I'm going to shake, 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 and then do that. Yeah. That's important. And um, one of the cards I pulled is Thunder Beings. And I have, I was, I feel lucky enough to have been born with Uranus in Aquarius. Okay. So I feel like I am a Thunder Being. My first tattoo was a lightning bolt. Okay. So, and uh, if you're Reiki oriented, anyone that's listening, uh, you know that Raku is a lightning bolt. So I had Raku tattooed on me when I turned 18. The minute I turned 18, I had that lightning bolt on there. And I, it's also my favorite symbol, if I may say so. <laughs> I love Raku, it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where was I going with that? <laughs> Being, um, being the lightning bolt is illuminating and it's allowing people to, you know, really step into themselves because, um, you know, being of thunder is having usable energy and having like the capability of knowing this is who I am and I do something with it, you know? Mm Um, because it is easy just to lie or to separate. But when you say, nope, I accept and I go forward, you can, you know, really help people harness those parts of themselves because patterns are easy. Patterns are easy to slip into. It's easy to slip into a mask. It's easy to slip into a grid, but you have to consciously make the decision every day to not slip into that, you know, to revolutionize. Yeah. And to revolutionize from the inside out, because I think so many people think that they can start from the outside in and that's not how it works. You know, it starts by saying, okay, um, I want to be mean to this person, but I'm not going to be, I'm going to choose to find compassion in my heart for one, how I feel and two, what's going on with them. And then I'm going to be a bigger person by choosing to either talk to them like an adult or to separate myself until I'm at a moment where I can talk to them, you know, and then just changing yourself that way. But it's a conscious decision every day to do that stuff. It's like stepping on a stage, you know, it's like uncomfortable a little bit, you know, it's like, oh boy, Mm -hmm. I got to change patterns, you know. It's really easy for us to stay stuck in um in patterns that have worked for us you know because a lot of people lying and manipulation have gotten them what they've wanted and have gotten them what they needed and so if they have to then step up and choose to not be that way who are they that's really scary you know it's really scary to choose to do something differently when you've been able to get away with it for so long because now people look at you like what you know 
And um, that's like a really important thing I think we should talk about, you know, with people who are going through these transformations is that, yeah, I understand you don't want to change because who would you be? And everyone has, you know, identity that they want to uh, capture, you know, they have someone that they want to be. And I really feel like this Chiron and Aries is asking us to take off all the masks that we've chosen as an identity and to just go back into start being fresh yeah, like, a soul. Just be honest and start mm -hmm. fresh, you know. Just to be themselves, yeah. you know, because again in esoteric astrology and I'm not very well versed in esoteric astrology, but it's most aligned with how I kind of look at astrology. Um, in esoteric astrology, Aries is ruled by Mercury, the head, because Aries is said to be the most intuitive sign. You know, the one thing I would tell anyone who's an Aries moon <laughs> is to keep following your intuition. Don't run, don't run away from it, you know? And Aries as a sign, as an archetype, is that toddler intuition, you know? Look at a child. You children understand things way more than we give them credit for. Yeah. You know, they they can look at an object and they just know something about it and they go for those. And um, with, you know, Chiron and Aries, I really want to see or I hope to see more or less people following their intuition and removing the identity that's been molded for them and just allowing them to discover, you know, their own child childlike identity. Because ultimately, we're all just small children in a way, you know, I mean what what is even what does it mean to be an adult like do we do our taxes <laughs> you're an adult you do your taxes like i get that part or you run away and get married or something but really we're all just children of this earth and if we think of ourselves as children of this earth then we don't have to worry about um those weird adult responsibilities that come in you know or maybe yeah. I'm bypassing. Usually, patterns of behavior yeah. are fueled by either needs that are, you know, trying to be met, mm -hmm. or um, covering up for trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because compensating for trauma that's happened. Sometimes I find that my parents are more childlike than I am sometimes, you know, and um, I think it, that's an important thing to talk to them about because they're supposed to be more mature than us, but they're still operating in their childlike nature, which is something I really like love about my dad. You know, my dad is, he's a big kid. Like you, you say roller coasters and he's running to the car. So that, you know, that's one of my favorite things about having parents who allow themselves to be children. But if you think about it, we're all just big kids. And so if we know like our inner child and we come to a place where we understand our inner child's intuition, then I think that we can really revolutionize who we are because we understand then that we're all just children continuously learning, continuously challenging ourselves and continuously um, playing. That's how we have compassion for them. Yeah. But what I want to say, you mentioned the fact that the system still works, you know, they still are able to function in the lowest frequency. And that's what I want to change. I want to make it impossible for that thing to happen and not have consequences. And that's where my own errors comes up because 
I want to be like I feel like this character in Batman um, in The Dark Knight Rises like where you have Bane who has this mask here and he's like destroying the whole society and being like you get punished all the rich get punished like you go into the river the frozen river like all of the like sometimes I feel like that inside of me and I don't like that but it it needs to be said like I'm all for love I'm all for creating cocoons and protecting people and healing them but I'm also for like this archetype in me the, the, the destructive mother mother where I want to protect all the other kids all the people that we have compassion for because they've been hurt and I I just want to create justice and and when I heard for example a few weeks ago um, there was a woman on a TV show called Terrace House and it's a reality TV show in Japan and this woman was um, harassed by so many viewers she received so many messages where they really destroyed her that she committed suicide and she died mm -hmm. and to me I was really affected by it and because I've seen her for months on TV I was really affected by it and I kept kind of felt her spirit coming through the photos and things and I was trying to not consult that because um, boundaries but I want those people to be punished I want I want like the CIA to go and find all the people who ever commented and to get some kind of monetary punishment or I don't know something I just want them to be but it's not gonna happen that's not how the world works but I want all of them to be punished because they caused that and that works with everything else too like I want everyone to be punished if they cause a problem so yeah, just... yeah that's, you know that's a, like a really difficult conversation to have with a solution because there's almost no solution you know I like going back to this fact that I'm an Aries moon I get very angry you know, I get very mad when I see um, people treating other people wrong. And I've been known to be a little bit of a vigilante. I was the girl that was sticking up for the kids that got bullied in high school. And I was going beyond what the bullies were doing. <laughs> the bullies, you know? <laughs> and so I, uh, I was a little bit of a fighter, you know? Uh, not a little bit, like a lot. Uh, and so I feel that same way when I see people getting upset with people or being mean or anything, I want them to be punished, you know, but I think a, a big part of that is because I've been punished a lot for myself. And sometimes it seems like punishment is the only thing that can save them. And I sometimes think of like Dante's Inferno, um, and, uh, I don't know if you were ever into video games, but Dante's Inferno was one of my favorite video games. And there's an option to either absolve or to punish them. And there were moments in the video game where I would actually like pause and look up the people because these were actual people who, who did atrocities in our world. And um, sometimes when you, I would absolve them and it, they would be like, ha, they would basically be like, we don't believe in God anyway, as they went up into heaven. And I'd, be, I'd get so mad as I'm sitting there with my controller, like, oh, I chose the wrong person to absolve, which is so like kind of funny, you know, in a way, because it reminded me just of like, you know, even, even when we choose to absolve people, sometimes they aren't even grateful you know, or they don't really understand the lesson. So it's, it's a very complicated subject of resolution because 
some people I think come into this world with a contract that they're going to be a shitty person and they're not going to care. And that's almost our polarity. You know, we're being forced to look at ourselves in that person and say, where in our hearts have we been that person? And is this person redeemable? You know, because, um, you know, like for one, uh, child predators. I don't know how I could ever find compassion for them in a way, you know? Uh, I, I don't know how I could ever really find compassion for people that have hurt children and not just one child, but many children and have, you know, contained the suffering for many people. I want them to be punished too. But what is, what is punishment even? Like how, how can justice be served? Because I feel a lot of those things. And I feel like that's part of the wrathful feminine, you know, that's Eris, that, you know, that's Kali, that's Medusa. We want them to be punished because they've done something wrong. But what is even punishment? Yeah, well, the punishment, it creates precedent. And then it's supposed to, you know, detract people from mm -hmm. doing the same behavior, you know. And what is physical punishment you know like it, it 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 just seems so if our souls are infinite um is physical punishment going to be something that our soul remembers forever you know will they remember those marks will they what, what happens on a soul level on a solar level that you know we can do to help transform them because i mean if you've been tarred and feathered in another lifetime and you remember that, like, would that create a traumatic signature in this lifetime to uh, not express yourself that way, you know? Or I just, it's, it's, yeah, it's well, a lot yeah. <laughs> conceptually, you know? I think the big problem is um, a lot of this negative behavior um, gets rewarded and people get. Um, mm -hmm. in positions of power um, on very low levels all the way up to the very top um, people get rewarded for this kind of behavior um, whether it be you know stealing money or you know grouping together mm -hmm. with a certain group of people and monopolizing on whatever it may be on a market or you know a banking system or whatever they get rewarded for those behavior and people don't want to change i feel like that's a good topic too because um you know technically uh for thousands of years we've had we've given um energy towards the people who have done things uh, in the wrong way, you know? So if we think back about conquesting and, you know, even going to like Mehmed the Conqueror taking over Constantinople or, you know, the English. Be careful the way you say, okay? I lived in Istanbul. <laughs> Let's not put him that in. I love Mehmed the Conqueror, okay? I love him a lot. <laughs> Truly, he, when I watched like the first, when I became like big into, um, astrology i saw him and i was like yeah that dude is like a triple aries and he is he's a he's a triple aries and a lot of what he did you know was to prove to his father that he was better than him really um but you know conquesting sometimes can can leave a traumatic signature i think in the soul 
you know, if we think about colonizing and stuff like that, people taking over, you know, South America, North America, I just wonder, you know, have we just been feeding this big egregore of, you know, um, <laughs> have we just been feeding this big egregore of uh, negative energy, yeah. you know, and then like, how do we accomplish that from an individual perspective? Like, how do we uh, not feed that because I, I think that you know that's where real change happens yeah when the individuals work on the self and then it ripples out into your neighborhood and then your community or you know yeah across the states across the oceans and you know it's amazing what can happen just working on the self mm -hmm. and, and justice really has to be served from you know top to bottom not just bottom to top because you know, the people that have uh, hurt other people, like the comments and, you know, writing emails and writing letters to someone bullying them, they've just been taught that, really. It's just been taught in their families for generations. So it's almost like, you know, we're having to fight from the inside out um, and also the outside in at the same time, you know? Yeah. We have to both, both find ourselves compassionate because there's like this fine line um, between bypassing and compassion, you know, it, it, it's like you, it's, it's, it's a complex situation to talk about having compassion for someone and then also keeping them accountable for their yeah. actions. You know, you can only have so much compassion while also keeping them accountable. And the same goes for your own heart. You know, you have to be able to say, yeah, I fucked up, but I, I I, I'm going to do better. I promise to do better, you know, to yeah. myself and to the world around me. I like that. And I think that most, like, what I, I don't especially want people to be punished. I want the idea of punishment to be there so that people stop from doing that. And it does not have to be physical. I, I just want, and that could come into, you know, the idea of societies where we have points, which is fucked up. And, you know, where you have points and then you lose points. That's fucked up. I'm not in a black mirror um, ideology, but just the idea where people just stop for a minute, not based on fear, but stop and kind of be like conscious wise. Is this going to be hurting others or like hurting myself? And just do that choice. I just want people to have a Jiminy Cricket that says, this is wrong. Like, this is what I keep thinking. Like, we need a consciousness. We had religion so based on fear we're like oh heaven and hell so up until like a hundred years ago in france we still had the state being controlled by religion right so christianism was like this or that but don't do this and that was fucked up uh, as well but we need to find some entity where spirituality is a part of maybe politics or you know just part of our world so that we stop for a minute when we're, when we're about to do something and think and review how your action is going to affect the whole. We have to start thinking about other. Yeah, that's respect. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. To take a look at again. You know, that word respect comes from Latin origins. Re is, you know, again, and spect, spectare is to look at. You know, just take a minute and have another look at that individual or the, you know, the whole society. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I um, we 
this this is all really good food for thought too because my first instinct is to to say focus on the children but how do we reach the people who are already functioning adults out there you know going through this and not being present and i just wonder I, it's almost like i saw in my mind's eye if i can try to explain this almost as if I saw like this big conscious community that was like oh they just put all the mean people on the outside and they're like you can't come in until you think about how you're acting you know yeah. <laughs> it's almost just like not feeding that you know or or potentially not giving that any energy you know instead of because people I think sometimes like they see people um acting mean and then they all jump down their throats of this person who's acting mean and then get into a fight with them trying to be like a, a vigilante and there's like a big parasitic feeding going yeah on. and you're I mean, just you know, feeding a parasite <laughs> yeah. you're really not doing much of anything other than feeding their desire to have conflict with people you know so instead of just like ignoring them or deleting it or you know not being there um you're giving into it so it's it's like but then it's like okay how do we reach that person in an authentic way? You know, how do we reach that person in a way that they can listen to someone? And is that even possible? Or is it even our... I think so. Because every human has the need uh, to fulfill connection, to mm -hmm. connect with people. So, you know, you have a community there and it's like, okay, someone does something and it's, you know, it's serious deal. And it's like, okay, you know, 10 days from now, come back and... <laughs> Like you know yeah. and we'll all have you know we'll get a circle and we'll have a conversation and you know discuss the next steps or you know that's something simple uh, and basic it, it always obviously needs some behind it but that's definitely a, sh a huge shift in the way we deal with bad behavior in in a family or in a, a community or on a nationwide scale and i you know maybe i'm i don't know i feel like what we need is like micro governments more or less okay. and by government decentralized I put, I put that in quotes because you know i feel like we need to more or less like band together as a community and create you know some sort of person kind of like a chief you know in indigenous days where we have a chief that goes to you know another chief and these two talk and we all collectively you know communicate but i feel as if um you know we've been desensitized to making those decisions because we have to work a nine to five you know oh we can't make the town hall meeting because it's at 4 30 and we work till six you know yeah. or it's at They've eight o'clock and we have children to put to bed at at 8 30 you know or something of that nature and i'm i just i just feel like uh people get need food to, involved man people need to remember yeah, that potlucks, you know that's just decentralized government you know i feel like people little communities i feel like people need to remember that they matter yeah. and that they're powerful and that they have power that's just as strong as anyone next to them you know yeah. um his power doesn't look the same as my power and my power doesn't look the same as your power and that doesn't mean that anyone's any more powerful unless you've cultivated it you know and even unconsciously um you can be extremely powerful because you have no idea what you're using in there you know and i just i feel like people need to remember that they matter 
and that they are just as powerful as that person that's speaking to them, you know, on a podium. And um, I just, I feel like we haven't been cultivated that way. We've been taught to fear certain things, you know, so to, to, to even fear having power because, you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility. And that sounds like a lot to deal with. But if you remember that your heart has all this power and that you have responsibility to your heart, then you could just create change in the world. Well, how we're raised as well is we're raised, you, you know, get a good education then you get a good job with a big company and, you know, they, you get all the benefits and all the stuff of that, but not, we're, we're not on an aggregate sense um, taught to fulfill our internal desires and, mm-hmm. and build something ourselves and be entrepreneurial, you know, and we're, we're taught that we have, we abdicate our responsibility to representatives or senators or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ironic thing is, is that I don't even think many careers exist like that anymore. You know, you don't typically go into a company, uh, you know, and you don't stay there for 20 years anymore. It's actually taught by economists that you should only stay two to three years at a company and then move to another company so you can get more money and better benefits and a better position and keep moving. So that, that philosophy of, you know, go, go to, go to college get a get a job and then have a job for 30 years doesn't exist anymore unless you're in some type of trade you know like an elevator constructor or an electrician or you know um like a um what are they called floor people i can't think of their names <laughs> like um, a, maybe like a carpenter or something yeah. like that you know there you have a trade that you're with for but even then the you know life. a lot a lot of the guys um have a desire to start their own mm-hmm. you know company and you know, start their own ship, you know? Yeah. Be the own, their own captain. Yeah. But even in like tech industry and then like even the military is a big example of that. And, um, yeah, it's, I'm still thinking about men that the conqueror. <laughs> you are. Yeah. I'm thinking about his birth chart. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the idea of the chief because that was interesting, but my point of view is that we totally forgo communities and when we say we respect and we look at others we think of others and the chief would go and be like bitch you disrupted the whole community by your actions so you're gonna have to pay amendments you're gonna have to go and say sorry and like get your act together so that you can you know you have to think of the whole but here right now we don't have communities we don't have groups it's a just big country and even within companies when you're saying like we're moving from year to year they're also like so they're disrupting the idea of the company is kind of your family or your network and they're also really emphasizing on this entrepreneur thing or startups you know it's like you do it again on your own so it's all about individuation which is you know super good love it power it's needed but everything has to be in balance so we have to have communities we have to create those things because otherwise you're lost you don't have respect for others and you're just gathering 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 and like a colonizer being productive and earning money and all those coaches who are like make a five number salary and i don't know how they call it but like it's your sixth number a year like you're just yeah okay that means success it's cool but unfortunate the structures that um 
are around us, you know, governmentally speaking and regulations make it really hard for us to start our own um, communities and um, or co-ops or, yeah. um, you mm -hmm. know, have have an off even off grid um, homestead. It's like the cities, the codes and all that. It's mm -hmm. like they make it really challenging for even in, in the states here to do that. Yeah, I feel like that's part of what we have to do to revolutionize is, you know, we have to be willing to go against the grain um, because a lot of people, you know, they uh, personally, and uh, maybe this is a little bit radical, but I don't really believe in a lot of man-made laws. Um, I believe in spiritual laws and universal laws. Those are my laws that I go after. So like technically in the United States, having a co-op is illegal, um, which I don't think a lot of people know because there are a lot of um, places that are called co-ops, but technically the, to have a co-op is illegal. Um, and that's the same as, you know, collecting rainwater and stuff like that. We have to be willing to go against those man-made laws to say, you know, I don't support this and, you know, bring people into that, um, into, you know, building the egregore of revolutionizing from that way, which is, you know, difficult because and the communities are going to have to support these people that go against the grain. Yeah, yeah, because if you go against it by yourself, you know, it can be a really big challenge. I mean, if, if you are sued by the city because you're... Collecting um, rainwater. Yeah, you're <laughs> collecting rainwater. Who's going to win? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard and you have to be willing to stand on your hill and say, you know, I don't agree with that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Or call the, for help. You know, I think the point of this, community. yeah, was coming back to being conscious and aware of, you know, the parts of yourself that, you know, know that system and also have like accepted that system, you know, because um, we have to be willing to say, I don't agree with this and get our community together to work towards making a change and towards making, you know, legislative change. And it's cool. We can do that both, you know, on the ground here and through the internet, mm -hmm. you know, like we're doing right now, we have our communities in mm -hmm. our realm here that we're seeing each other and walking around in and also on on the web too, that we can branch out and be connected to, you know, people in France or, you know, all around the world. It's pretty amazing the capabilities that and the tools that we have to use both ancient, which is, you know, through using cards, mm -hmm. an ancient technique and tool we have to be connected, um, you know, in a stream of magic or a spiritual realm. And now we have computers and all that, the other, technology that is based in subterranean minerals and crystals and metals um that all make it happen you know yeah we're gonna change this world thank you but yeah i just that was a lot of good subjects so thank you so much for sharing your insights and you know i think it was challenging to get those ideas out and and be heard and then we will be sharing them so it's not easy because it feels revolutionary it feels this very specific texture that what it feels like and it has been coded and named as bad but it's not you know to speak up it's not bad yeah so you know a part of our mission as a couple is to decolonize our system so you know we collect our own water 
um, from fresh springs. And, um, you know, we support our local farmers by going to the farmer's market. And, you know, we support like our, our community that way. And it, it, oh yeah, we do have our own garden and, 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 you know, we really do our best to try to decolonize the system, but it's a lot. And I feel like if we could just tell people that everything they do matters, then they'll understand consciousness from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. Because, you know, yeah. if you if you allow yourself to decolonize from doing your dishes by embodying your dishes, you know, by being present with that stuff, then they'll start to understand just where their water is flowing off to and what their dish soap is doing and what their water even smells like. Like, you know, sometimes people go in and they turn the water on and they don't even think about it. But then that's pretty amazing tech piece of technology just to be able to turn water. Okay, done. Yeah. And flush the toilet. You know, all my excretions are gone. Not to worry about it. You know, it's relatively new in human history, even that technology, you know. And I just think bringing awareness to just, you know, your day-to-day activities, how you feed yourself, the water you drink, um, how much rest you're getting, that really helps you understand your place in a community. And it really helps you start to think about what you want to build in a community and that you can, you can revolutionize from the inside out. Yes, you can. And the more you are, the more you unite. It's, you know, it's just going to be more powerful. So create those grids. Thank you so much to both of you. Can you please tell us what you do specifically, where we can find you, your websites, everything will be in the show notes, but I also want you to say it out loud. So um, I have um, two roses healing.org. <laughs> uh, I am a Reiki master, soul centered astrologer and um, multi-dimensional guide. Um, I help people create their um, new matrix systems and also do interdimensional healing by um, Reiki journeys. So um, my mission in this world is to help people really understand their energy systems and who they are. So you can find me there, <laughs> tworoseshealing.org. On Facebook, Twitter, Oh, yep. Instagram, I also Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram's my favorite, personally. It's where I put most of my stuff. Um, Twitter's, like, my fun area. If you really want to get to know me, meet me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what you about you? At Elevated Environments on um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said earlier, I'm... I like to call myself a shepherd of the land, um, harmonizing humans with the land um, and and just a general energy practitioner, holistic health coach. Um, You know, my mission is to form a, a retreat for people to go to and learn how to live in harmony with uh, these universal laws and uh, the natural laws that we have here on earth and teach people survival skills, you know, both bushcraft all the way up to, you know, being your best self. And uh, we work together by bringing our forces in. We do uh, like spiritual coaching together um, and physical uh, stuff as well. So um, he takes, you know, his, 
his uh, physical healing modalities and I take my spiritual healing modalities and we combine them together to do work both on the, you know, on the individual and the collective. So um, we do combine our systems. Yeah. And are you able to work online? Can we book you online? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to both of you. And right now we're going to take you with Iris to one of the journey that we organized together. So I'm going to let you say a little bit, if you want, about where we're going. Thank you. And this is something that we offered and will have energy healing. So if you consent to it, open yourself to it. And also you can find those Mars healing journeys every Tuesday on Iris's website. You can sign up and receive that and work on your inner warrior on this archetype that we just mentioned for two hours so good job <laughs> so come and taste have the experience with us thank you so much bye so we're going to open our shoulders right we're going to open relax and take in the stance of being ready to open our heart And we're going to breathe with our belly. We're going to push the belly to get air in. And then out. The belly comes towards the spine. And then we push the belly. And then we retract it. And you're going to continue to deeply breathe. And I'm just going to trickle down the energy, if you give me your consent, to ground your physical body as well as your consciousness in the present moment. And we're going to create roots down our spine that are going to extend into the ground. Extend deeper and deeper through all the tectonic layers of our earth. And we're going to need some lava, some caves, some water, until we find the core of Gaia. And we're going to wrap ourselves, a piece of ourselves, to this beautiful crystal that is the core of our planet. And we're going to anchor ourselves so that wherever we go in the solar system today, we're still going to find our way back. And I'm going to start with Daikomyo, Daikomyo, Daikomyo. Now imagine yourself on a grassy knoll or a foresty area anywhere that you find safe and sacred. I invite you to look at your hands, to look at your feet, to feel the wind or maybe a lack thereof on your skin. Just simply being with this landscape, with this energy,
as you notice the calm and serene energy that surrounds you, I invite you to set an intention for this practice. Maybe there is a specific circumstance that you are working with to heal and process, or maybe you're open to just what comes. Whenever you find this intention, place it in your heart, anchoring your consciousness, anchoring your intention. Now notice as a red-tailed hawk circles above you, Watch the way that it flies, seemingly effortlessly above with the wind, through the trees. And notice as this hawk begins to come closer to you. Extend your arm out and offer a place for this hawk to land. As this hawk sits on your arm, notice as your heart begins to radiate green energy connecting to this hawk's heart center as well. Feel the magnificence of this bird within your heart, opening to its radiance and its power and its love and virtue. Hawk is the solar keeper of our planetary guide, Mars. So observe now as this hawk begins to form a body, a shape, however Mars wants to be with you at this time. Feel his presence, his energy, his magnificence. And I invite you to communicate with him. To ask him any questions or even if you need to yell at him. Mars is here to guide you into the parts of yourself that are ready to have power 
So anything you two go through at this time is safe and sacred. Now invite any guardian that you may want to bring with you on this journey. Someone that you can feel safe with, to hold hands with in case you ever need someone to hold. And as this person or this angel or this entity comes in and places a hand on your shoulder, notice as a Kriya portal opens just a few feet away from you, bringing you into the planet of Mars. As you go through this portal, notice any feelings or sensations that arise in your body. And just relax as you shapeshift into this Martian consciousness. As you land in Mars, notice the hawk waits for you again, this time with Mars as well. Feel the intensity of the planet. Feel its density its dimension. And once again, look at your body, at your hands, at your feet, noticing the shape that you have taken at this place. Allow Mars to bring you to a space in which you see moments of time flashing before your eyes where you may have wanted to bring your power forward but felt unable almost as a reel watch it spin owning, recognizing, and acknowledging these moments as Mars allows you to take your power back. Placing a hand on your heart. Healing sealing, 
and protecting these memories, transforming them into moments of power. Watch as these parts of yourself begin to melt and transform, creating new memories, new cellular activations from within and without. And know that as you do this work, you are healing multi-generational lines, multi-dimensional lines. You're not only healing this present body that you live in, but also the past and the future. Daikomio, daikomio, daikomio. And now we will just move from Moss to Chiron. And the jump is not that big because they're just aligned with one another right now. So I'm going to show you a boat that was waiting for you on Mars. And we're going to go there together. And as Mars continues to turn and orbit, our boat is going to lift up and jump from one to the other. And suddenly we arrive on an asteroid, the asteroid of Chiron. And here the temperature is different. The sound is different. The texture of the frequency of the asteroid is different. And you're gonna feel a fresh air around your skin, almost caressing you, welcoming you home. And we're gonna walk barefoot into the sand, the gray sand, and our feet are getting deeper and deeper into the sand. It feels comfortable. It feels reassuring. It feels enveloping. And we continue to walk until we finally sink deep into the sand. We're able to breathe underneath it. We're able to be back to the sensation of being a seed, of being planted, of having a lot of resources to draw from, from this earth that surrounds us. And we can grow our roots. And we can also grow towards the sun out of this earth. And as you are in those pockets of sense, the energy of the centaur Chiron is going to come and 
focus his hand on your forehead one by one and the touch of his fingers on our airline, on our forehead is just bringing us comfort, support, but also mentorship. We receive guidance, we receive words, clarity about where we are, about what our wounds are, about what they're teaching us. Our wounds is a lens, it's a perspective on the world. We are affected by it every day. And we can get lost in the shadows of it, or we can see the gift, the gift that it's, it's a wound, it's an opening. It's an opening of our skin, of our heart, and it allows us to create bridges between our individual self and the collective. So right now we're gonna create bridges from the top of our forehead to our heart. And we're gonna create the recipes of our inspirations of his mentorship into our hearts, into our feeling senses. And it might mean some release, it might mean some tears, or it might mean some smiles. But we're creating. And you can take notes in your mind, post-its, little lists of what you're gonna create. And finally, you will see that out of your heart, a rainbow will come out, just like a hand a hand filled with rainbows and it reaches out to give to the world because your wound is your opening to the collective so you can see what you're ready to give and also what you're ready to keep inside for yourself because you need to protect yourself. And as the seed is in the ground, nourishing itself through its roots, in order to grow the sprouts, you're feeding yourself first, the seed feeds itself through the roots, and then you choose what you deliver to the sprout that reaches towards the sun. And the sprout itself captures the sunlight and gives it back to the seed again and again. So it's an exchange. And I want you to feel that. Feel that your service to the world gives back to your heart and helps you to heal furthermore. And I want you to feel it again and again and take a photo inside of your heart of how it feels in a few years when you see that you've helped people and that without expectations, this helped you too. In ways, telling your story helped you to see the moral of the story. In ways, giving back helped you to have clarity about why this happened. <laughs> 
and slowly we're going to come back and grow so to the outside of the sand back to our consciousness forms the ones that are not tied to the ground and we're going to go back to our boats and i'm going to say daikomyo 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 And Iris, we cannot hear you. <laughs> Begin to notice as this boat drifts off into the solar system, looking down and seeing just how beautiful these planets are from this space. Watch as this boat begins to come back towards Earth, but makes a gentle dock at our moon. Here at this moon, on our moon, our satellite, we're just going to integrate for a minute all the emotions that we feel within and without ourselves. Noticing as a big, beautiful portal of light begins to drip down over your head, over your shoulders, over your wrists, your hips completely enveloping you in this light, in this love, in the safety and nurturance of our grandmother moon. Begin to notice as this light turns into a rainbow and creates a rainbow bridge between the moon and the earth, becoming a beacon of harmony between path, heart, and mind. Now begin to make your way onto this bridge, walking and returning back to the safe and sacred place that you first started this journey at. Once again, noticing your hands and your feet. Have you changed? Have you shifted? Are you in different clothes?
Notice as rain begins to drop on your head, on your shoulders, down your body, just lightly cleansing, clearing, and washing away anything from this journey that is ready to go. Allow yourself to feel refreshed and renewed, cleansed and clarified through this activation. And begin to make your way back towards your home. Tecomio, tecomio, tecomio. And as you settle in back to the frequency that we know, the earth, the frequency, the Schumann resonance, I want you to feel the arms of Gaia, the unconditional love between you and your home planet. And sure, we traveled, but now we're back. It feels good to be back home, <laughs> just as when you've been traveling. So as you come back into your physical body, feel how it feels to be back into your body, your 3D body on this earth. So you can shake your shoulder, you can move your hips, and wriggle your toes and your fingers, crack your neck, and you can keep your eyes closed as long as you want to. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for being back. And we're going to add a little stamp to your passport. You've been to Mars, you've been to Chiron. <laughs> Good to your visas. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Iris. Thank you, Capucine.